out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Good day to you, Ryan. Good day. Good day. Man, we are looking shaggy here in quarantine, Tim. Hair's getting long. Beard's getting thick. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. I um, I have fun with hair being longer now, thanks to you, Tim, as far as, like, I just think about when we watched um, what uh, Angel Heart and Robert De Niro had that, like, long hair that he lets, <laughs> <laughs> when he lets it down, you were just like, ugh, I love it. I want yeah. it. Look yeah. at that. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty far away from that. Yeah. But as far I think as I need another year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, as far as the spirit of it all. Hell yeah. Great. W- what is this? Who are we? What are we talking about? This is Dismembering Horror. This is a podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. That's right. We talk about what worked for us what did not work for us, and anything we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. We're out there to see what's out there. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that, ain't that the truth? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fun because we, we want to... I don't know. It's, it's like, for me, my what motivates me in life so much is if everyone looks left, I want to look right. I want to like, if given the opportunity to go off the beaten path, I always do. And I think horror represents that in a lot of ways. And it feels like it's somehow Tim and I talked about at the beginning of all this tackleable as far as like seeing the swath of what's out there. Like, yeah, there's tons. Like I think it'd take like 40 years of watching a movie a day to technically see every horror film. <laughs> but, um, Oh my God. As you know, I think, I think as far as, um, what would be skimming that surface is actually a pretty deep dive. So that's what we're here doing. Yeah. 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 Uh, and Tim, before we really get into today's film, which I'm excited to, uh, this is where we, we give any, Things of note, updates, kind of at the head. Anything newsworthy? Do you have anything? Because I obviously do. Your cat does. <laughs> yeah, hi, Sixto. Um, Tim, so after the horrible, probably one of our least favorite films we've watched is the part of the show, the 2020 Grudge movie. There is new Japanese Juan coming out and coming out sooner rather than later in July. Have you heard of this? No. So it's called Juon Origins, and it's a Netflix adaptation. It's going to be like a, a little mini series. Okay. And it's all set. It's like fully, you know, Japanese done and all that. Um, I mean, all right. there's okay. a trail. There's a trailer. Yeah. Trailer. Right. <laughs> trailer okay. that was just released. <laughs> I can get behind this. And it's coming out July third. Wow. Ooh, that's pretty soon, right? Anyway, yeah. You can see why I'm pretty excited about that you know what i looked up the other day because it's been in sort of studio purgatory for god i don't even know how long at this point over a year at least is the uh the new mutants movie is that x-men it is of the x-men universe and it was the last film I believe it was the last film made by Fox before Fox was bought up by Disney. 
And so because of all of that stuff, it kind of it they did it, it. It's it is a horror film. The one trailer they released, it's like this is not an X Men movie. Like it's a horror film with the just the characters happen to be mutants, and or not happen to be, but you know, I, what mean, I mean, it is all body horror, you know, <laughs> right? And I was so excited for it because it was such a different sort of take on something I already like, which is, I mean, not that the X Men movies are good. Don't don't get me started, but like. I I grew up reading X-Men, Wolverine, and Spider-Man exclusively. Like, those were the three books that I read religiously all the time. And so to see, you know, a sort of... I think one of the things that is always good about adaptations of franchises is to go down different stylistic pathways, right? Like, so I think... I don't know if you and I ever talked about this, but when we saw Han Solo, the Han Solo movie, Solo... There was sort of this debate of prior to it being reshot by Ron Howard because Phil Lord and Chris Miller were known as comedic directors and they were the guys who were helming it. <clears throat> and they ultimately got fired because, well, the rumor was being that, that they were kind of letting it be too much of a like borderline improv comedy, like fun ride. And I was like, but that's what. Like, that's what we want. We don't want just another Star Wars movie that's, like, yeah. right in that, like, generic lane. We want, like, the Star Wars movie that's a heist, which, like, Rogue One. The Star Wars movie that's a, you know, that's a comedy. The Star Wars movie that's a horror film. Like, like I want to see more of that kind of cross-genre stuff. Yeah. With, especially in these franchises. With the, the, I thought that was always kind of the point with having spin-off ones. Like, you have your core trilogy exactly. ones. And then these guys. Yeah, and the rumor always was that the Obi-Wan movie would be more of a Western, like... That's what Mandalorian is, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... I mean, Mandalorian is a 1960s gunslinging Western. TV like show, TV yeah. TV Western, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so... New Mutants, I, is that coming out or soon, or...? Well, so they made an announcement... Um, that they gave it a release date for theaters right before the uh, pandemic started. So <laughs> although it is going to be released, it now probably, I don't know, who knows if it will come out, but Disney is going to release it. There was always this fear that they were just going to completely shelve it and walk away because essentially that's where it's been for the last, I don't know, however long. Um, they finished shooting it in like 17 <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Maybe it was 18, but anyway, so I'm excited to actually see a different take on a big franchise, you know, whatever. Thing. Yeah, cool. So, I hope I hope it comes out soon enough then. Yeah. I, I thought of you a, a, an at-home release that came out that was scheduled to be a big theater release was Scoob, the new Scooby-Doo movie. I know you're a fan. I am of a the fan. Of the franchise. Have you watched it? I thought about watching. I haven't watched it yet. Please I'm like, let... it's, it's a hard one because I, my, my nostalgia is so deep that like new incarnations always feel off or wrong. Yeah. I would actually so love to do one of the kind of older cartoon movies for our oh show. Oh my God. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. Fun. 
All right. Well, hey, and uh, okay, so to get actually into our episode here, thanks for bearing with us, guys. Um, this, uh, another, I think, noteworthy thing, but having to do with our episode, Tim, as far as I can tell, this will be, we're in episode 93 here. This is our first film from the 1950s. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> as far as I could tell. Think. Can you think of any? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> God, that seems crazy, though. Our closest was uh, Psycho is 1960. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I believe that was the closest one. So what yeah, is... Yeah, I guess we sort of jumped... Yeah, we, we've gone earlier than this, but way earlier. Yeah, yeah. When we done Innocence was 61. So yeah, we finally made it to the 50s. I think it's long overdue. Well, and, and this, this is... <laughs> It couldn't be about as it couldn't be any more quintessentially fifties. Yes, yes. <laughs> Holy shit! We are talking about now and today, fiend without a face, from nineteen nineteen fifty eight. Those fiends, they certainly don't have faces. Watch out, Tim. The fiends are gonna get you. They don't have faces. You're right. (laughs) Fiend without a face. Not fiends, even though there's multiple. Anyway, fiend, fiend. I just love, you know, I love alliteration anyway. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. All right. All right. So fiend without a face, 1958. To get into it, we'll start with the trailer. Are you ready for the trailer? I'm ready. All right. Here it is. Fiend without a face. brain it's gone that's not all the entire spinal cord is missing but it's incredible it's as if some mental vampire at work does it come from another country or another world this terrifying menace that g2 must destroy before it's too late image is fading sir there it goes again same trouble how can they stop this invisible force whose only warning is a weird blood chilling sound Only two people still alive can help this agent find the answers. The girl who could be a spy, and the scientist who could be the destroyer of the entire human race. Now we move on to our rating per our rating system. Would Tim and myself tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Who wants to go, Tim? Hmm. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I think that I would, well, I know I would definitely rent it. Like, I would rent this for sure. But the question is, would I buy it? Hmm. You know what? I think I, I would need to see, like, a bunch of other similar 50s sort of, this style in particular, the sort of like <clears throat> that atomic era, you know, everything's a metaphor for like the invisible evil. I'm I'm sure there are other. Well, I, I'm not sure, but I imagine there are other better examples of that that are even more quintessential as much as I liked this one. Um, so I'm going to say rent. See, that's the thing. I don't I don't know if they're better, like, without having seen more. Like, 
maybe I'll find one that feels more quintessential. You know, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I get the hesitation. Um, but the thing is, Tim, like in the end, I just loved like this world so much that they yeah. set up and got so caught up with the characters. And just... you mean that the the <laughs> the crazy world of Manitoba? <laughs> yeah, Canada. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, just you know, like like the characters growing on you, and yeah. and everything about it. You know, the the world of the film. Yeah. Um, the, and, and it's just this is kind of like my again without having seen more but as for now like how the black cat is if i want if if i'm ever like okay i just want to watch like the 30s 40s horror movie where the car breaks down and they end up at a creepy house i'm just yeah. want to watch the black cat cuz it's it's just great for me it's just like this distilled like all those classic elements just there and for this too it like had everything in a way that they're playing it so straight it only was fun for me, you know, as far as like the lead couple, you like the, the professor who invents the evil and like the, the girl, the girl of the stories is secretary, like down to every, the military, the small town, you know, everything about it. Um, but I, I just, I just loved it all. And it was so, as I said, yeah, quintessentially that stuff. I was really into it. So I'm, I'm a buy it for that. Cool. I was super I'm a, into it. I'm very close to a buy. Great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh I guess nothing else to say. We'll get we'll say more in a second. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. We have much See more you next to say time, everyone. about why it was so good, but might as well not get ahead of myself quite yet because we got to start with a summary. Oh, okay. <laughs> a summary. A summary. Well, in the great, the great city of Manitoba, Canada, in the province of, fuck, no idea. <laughs> Where do you think the province is? Is, is this in Ontario? I don't know. <sighs> well, me neither. So you got a military base. It's an American, like U.S. military base. It's like a in joint operation. Canada. Yeah. That's called like just colonialism right there. They they say They're it's just like a starting it up. They say it's like a joint operation thing. Yeah, well. That's what, you know, that's what the British said about coming to, <laughs> to the, India. New, the new world. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so they've they've built this base in Manitoba. <laughs> which is actually kind of a small town. And um, it is a experimental atomic radiation base that they're <laughs> doing all sorts of We just specialize in shit. making atomic radiation. <laughs> That's, what That's we right. Did. <laughs> they're just experimenting with it. And uh, they've got like a cool radar thing going on and they're trying to spy on Russia and it's not really working the way they want it to work. There's like energy drains that are happening that they they can't figure out. And then, well, I mean, in our opening scene, a uh, one of the, is it a military guy or a town guy? I don't it's know. A town, oh, it's a town guy. It's it's Barbara's brother. Yeah. So a I, farmer yeah, yeah. in the woods mysteriously dies right outside of the base. And a, and a MP or whatever military guy uh, hears it and, f- and finds him dead. 
So that kind of sets us up. And uh, what's our lead dude's name? Jeff. Major a, Major what Jeff. What a lame name. Major Jeff Cummings. Wow. No comment. <laughs> okay. So Jeff. Jeff. Major Cummings. Uh, you know, he's got his bomber jacket on and he's he's I gotta be honest, he's kind of a putty dork. But whatever. So Jeff kind of takes the lead on this case here and the townspeople are pissed off because they think that the base is like messing with people and they think maybe it was a a military you know dude who who is on the loose a crazed military dude is on the loose killing people yeah because yeah, it's, it's fun because yeah the military knows it's not the ra- you know quote unquote knows it's not anything to do with them yeah uh, as far as the outright radiation and then the townspeople are like it's radiation killing everyone right right exactly so there's the in, in inherent fear of atomic whatever in the townspeople everything is <laughs> everything is to blame. I mean, everything is blamed on that. That yeah, you know, well, atom- it's atomic energy. It's making but, everything bad. But their their fears are, are their worries are so, you know warranted. Though. Well, in the end, they are because it's a dumb movie. <laughs> but no, but also like you know, <laughs> the, the military's planes in it were affecting uh, the rate oh, of cows giving milk. You know, they definitely disrupted their small town true. ways. That's true. But Barbara, Barbara, she argues the case. She's like, that's what was happening at first. But the cows the, have the, calmed down. The cows have gotten used to it. <laughs> They're okay. <laughs> right. You know why she makes that argument? Because she fell in love with Jeff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's just, man, she's just taking his side. Anyway, so Barbara's the brother of the first person killed. And then very quickly, uh, a couple farmers get killed, a, a husband and wife, the older, and in the same manner. And they're sort of like, what the fuck? And the military is like, hey, we need to see these bodies because we need to, to, to be able to prove that it's nothing to do with us. And there's a dispute between the doctors in the town and the doctors in the base and blah, blah, blah. So what ends up happening ultimately is that the military does get involved. They get their hands on a couple of the bodies. Uh, I think one. Oh, yeah. The mayor ends up dying as well. And they find that there are two little like holes, puncture holes in the base of the necks of all of these people. Base of the skull, really near the occipital bone. And um and that the brain has been sucked out, and so has the spinal cord, which is sweet. Like an egg through two holes. <laughs> yeah. So, we know now we know we got a monster on the loose. We don't know what the monster is. Nobody's seen it. Uh, we, the audience, have seen that it doesn't visually appear, that it's this sort of invisible monster, which is pretty sweet. And uh, Jeff and Barbara and a couple military dudes. Oh, and the town's guys, man, did they li- they go f- fucking looking for trouble and they yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember the town guy who like has the thickest accent. Um, he's a real he's a real stick in the mud. And he gets anyway. it. He <laughs> yeah. gets it bad. Um, he he kind of gets zombified. Which is cool. And then the, you know, we, we end up trapped in 
the okay so then we get to the scientist and we kind of figure out what's going on and here's what's going on the scientist is experimenting with mental te uh, telepathy he's trying to find a way to make that a thing and he discovers that a certain amount of energy will allow him to do that and then the military base shows up and starts pumping energy into the it's actually not it's not telepathy it's telekinesis it's moving things. that's right you're yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah so the when the base gets built they're putting out such high levels of energy that it actually helps him with his experiment and he's able to do it and then somehow he decides that not only is he going to have telekinesis but he's going to allow the telekinesis to take on its own form separate to his thoughts he, he explains it pretty matter-of-factly that of course next thing i was going to do was just imagine uh, a human without its its individuality he says i just wanted a brain and a spinal cord and that's it so yeah. i i focused on that as hard as i could <laughs> right right and it and it there you go it it came to be yeah because of atomic energy mm -hmm. and science and science and then, but it, but you can't see it. It's invisible. Right. Until, of course, they get strong enough. The waves, they turn them on way strong in order That's to right. see them because they have the final fracas where all our, our little yeah, hodgepodge heroes. Everybody's trapped heroes, in the, uh, the, prof it's the, in professor's, the professor's office. House. Yeah. And uh, um, they have a big final fracas. Jeff goes to the base, saves the day by turning it up, comes back in time, helps shoot them. No, here's, here's what I think is great about this story. The solution to this story is blow it up. Yeah. Like um was the the <laughs> the dummy one that we watched was <laughs> Oh my god, dear Dolly Dearest. Dolly Dearest, send that mom into this movie. She'd do great. Man, they fucking loved dynamite back then. Yeah. No, it was great. It was so much fun because like you just have it was so satisfying. I mean, we'll get into it, but yeah. yes, they use bullets and axes to kill these things. Oh god, yeah. The when when we discovered that there are hundreds, if not thousands, I guess, of these brain monsters, I, I was and they're awesome looking. <laughs> yeah. They're sort of they're sort of claymation like stop motiony. Man, they're good. Yeah. And so they, you know, they descend on the house and Jeff has to dodge them on on his way to the base to blow it up. It's great. Yep. And then he does. And then lots of just dripping sexual innuendo. Every guy who leaves the room when Jeff comes back gives a little comment about how Jeff is definitely going to fuck Barbara. <laughs> yeah. And Barbara is definitely going to fuck Jeff. Yeah. And the end, literally mm -hmm. on the screen as Jeff closes the door and puts his tongue down her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember everything that they were saying. It was so ridiculous. Oh it was my just God. like so much. <laughs> it was so on the nose. It was I could, ridiculous. Jim, this movie, I could, I kept like, I swear I could hear you rolling your eyes like <laughs> at all those oh, parts oh, oh. all the way from my house. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yep. Well, there right. you have it. Well, that's a full summary, Tim. Thank you. Oh, oh, well, so when they blow the base up, the energy goes away, and therefore the monsters have no energy to manifest in there. Yep. And that's that's how they're Surprise. Defeated. Happy ending. Right. All right, Tim. Well, that's that for that. So should we now do this? Sure. All right. Next section, we'll talk about 
What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? I mean, I already said just as far as like hitting these classic tenets or whatever the word would be um, for like what you want from this, the, all the things that feel like the, they're tropes, but the here they're just sincere. This is it's, it's the movie and we're yet to revel in it. So like there's the ones I already said, but like um, the, the scene that you kind of described of the diagnosis of what the monster is like when they're <laughs> huddled around and, you oh, know, man. he's he's saying um, not what the monster is, you know, what the, the killings are. It's like oh, exactly what you said. The sucked out the brain and they're trying to figure out. And one of them says, oh, maybe it's supernatural. All that set up. Um, it's mental vampires. Yeah. <laughs> you have them, you know, and the one that's like, that's preposterous. Well, whatever it is. It was just great. The, um, the scene where like, this is where I could hear you rolling your eyes from my house where it's like, it's just set up so deliberately where she's in the shower and then he oh comes God. and the door is open. So he comes in and it's just like that meat cute of seeing her in her towel. <laughs> like, it's just. It's like you've seen it, not just not just have you seen it a thousand times, but you've seen it spoofed a thousand times. But you know he- what killed me about that scene? And, <laughs> and it's not even a thing that didn't work. It's like it, it works because of what it is. But it's just so ridiculous is <laughs> he, you know, it's fine, whatever. He, you know, he gets there. Nobody answers the door and the door is open and he walks in the, t- in the house and he's calling out like, hello, hey, huh, Barbara, are you here? Blah, blah, blah. She's in the shower. She gets out of the shower. How did he make how and why did he make it from just the living room or the, or just the entryway of the house to her fucking bedroom next to her, <laughs> next to the bathroom? Like, what are you doing, Jeff? I didn't know he that was her bedroom. He made it all the way. Well, into. whatever. Maybe it was an office, but it's like pretty. It seemed pretty deep into the house. Yeah. I, either then, way, why would you go she past comes the out, front door? Here's my favorite part of that moment. Actually, the 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 whole scene is so good. But <laughs> my favorite part of, of of that moment when she comes out and there's that like, oh no, and he's like, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry, and she like she like kind of scurries back and closes the door. Instead of him being like. Okay, maybe I overstepped my bounds. I'm going to back out and wait in like the fucking entryway or the other like the fucking living room or the family, whatever, like some other room that's like gives her a little bit of space. So she's not just trapped in the bathroom. He like goes up to the bathroom door and he's like, oh, well, Barbara, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. I mean, the door was open and I just, you know, I can't. I called out, but nobody was there. I mean, and then she just comes out and she's like, oh, it's okay, Jeff. I'm no, in she, my robe now. She goes, uh, just give me five minutes, I think. Something <laughs> yeah. like that. I and love that. A second later, she comes the, out in a robe. <laughs> the moment, though, though, like the, the big reveal moment where they come out and she, they see each other with that music cue that happens. Oh. It's, it's so just, good. Right? It's so good because it happens twice. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so oh. obvious. <laughs> but but sincere. That's why it's the good yeah. kind of obvious. It's so sincere. Like, 
and they're oh, great. God. Like she especially kind of she carried the movie for me. Like yeah. she was so just like endearing and all of her lines. She just I don't know. She just had this this fun like kind of smart energy behind her. You know. Yeah, because they I think they set her up well where she's sort of like you know, initially they she's brought into the military people to sort of be pissed off that her brother is dead. Mm-hmm. And she knows that they're gonna try and like sweep it under the rug. And the device that the filmmaker, the script uses to show her character is pretty great. The the old codger military guy who who literally says I, you know, I'm old school. I'm a old school. I'm not a politician. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a military man. I just tell it like it is. I'm, some would say I'm blunt. Yeah. It's like, okay, we get it, dude. (laughs) So he picks up her brother's, um, her brother's little like notebook. And there's a page of times that that they confirm match all of the takeoffs and landings of the, of the planes. And they're like, Oh, what was he doing? He was being a weird spy or something. And she's like, can I see the book? They're like, sure. She flips to the next page and she's like on the next page. It's literally him describing the, the like emotions of his cattle. This is not him spying. It's him seeing whether or not the, the air, uh, traffic patterns are affecting his cows. Shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> and they do. They're like, oh, oh, well, um, well, I guess we're done here. Yeah. So but then it's, it's, she, she's so like, it just, it's, it plants us right in that she is not stupid. She's not to be kind of trifled with. And, you know, she's got an actual like point of view and she's pissed. And then what's fun is we get the, um, you know, we're with her throughout all that, but then we get the immediate counterpoint and we're kind of, we're for them as, you know, the couple or whatever, where like, and the military people, not all being so bad kind of thing, or at least being able to like, you know, get on board with them. And that was kind of a fun theme throughout. Cause like in the next scene, she's kind of like Chiden, Chiden Jeff. And he's yeah. like, come on, we're, you know, who do you think I am? Like, I'm not some monster from outer space. <laughs> he says pretty that. much that exactly. Um, and it just, it just warms her up. Yeah. She's like, no, Jeff, you're not. It warmed, <laughs> you really aren't. It warmed me up too. Cause he made a, you know, he made a good point. Like I, I had those biases too against him of just cause he's in uniform. I'm like, what, sure. is, he, what is he doing to our small town here? Yeah. But, but then, he has a bomber jacket. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that he never takes off. Oh, oh it's Major Canada Cummings. though. Must've been cool up there. Yeah, exactly. Breezy. Weather appropriate. Yeah. Um, the uh god so so the the pacing overall i thought was great like you know it was setups. pretty good e- even in spite of the fact that you know just as a stylistic thing you kind of get these they're borderline canned kind of exposition scenes j- that are just like in a room in an office you know it's like four people standing around you know open to camera right it's like it's but even like those a, are those you- are they, they still work they flow they're they're they, usually well shot too. They yeah. y- you're wondering what the heck is going on. Like the details that you're learning about are fun. Yeah, they were. Well, the, I think the the success of mo- almost all of those scenes is and and the failing in that era 
a lot of the time was that those scenes would go on and on. Mm -hmm. And you'd be like, I don't even remember what we're talking about because they just visually they weren't typically that interesting. You usually had like three setups, kind of like old school TV where it's like you have your master and then you have your your two sort of off to the side two shots that are grabbing two people in each one or whatever. And that was it. And you'd get bored real fast because it's just people talking. But they 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 really cruise through those quickly. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't mess around. And that's great. Well, you also have just splitting those up like we have a healthy amount of kill scenes that you'd want in this kind of just horror movie. That's true. Yeah. And all of them, they're. They're they're gruesome, like without being gruesome, you know. Just I, you know, I was thinking about this: how great of a of a decision to just be like, here's the deal, actors, it's a, it's on you. Yeah, like you, you we're you're not going to have a thing. We're not going to cut away. It's just you. So you better sell that you're getting killed right in that moment. And they do their they their definitely screams. Do. Their screams are always just so yeah, as I said, gruesome, agonizing. Like you feel it. Ugh, ugh, I lo- I, every time you see their face after they're dead and their eyes are sort of wide open, like I love that. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. They they absolutely commit, and that's what makes it happen. But in what was cool is like the the filmmaking is commits entirely too. that's why it works like the kill scenes they actually have this <laughs> fiendish edge to them Ooh. you know very very sinister um to them like it's especially with that sound effect to to get that out of the way <laughs> that's right yeah. the, the sound effect that they make <laughs> right it's this like slurping thumping oofing just wet yeah um, cool it's probably my second favorite creature weird sound effect in horror next to the 78 invasion of the body snatchers 20 years later. Um, What's that sound? Just all the sounds oh. like, whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this, that, the, the, when, when they're being hatched, all that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so, and the, so there's that sound effect, which then when you had each of those kill scenes, it just, it was like actually scary. Like it was funny because my instinct is almost to kind of at the, for each of the the fiends scenes up until the ending, when we actually see it, like you want to say, oh, it's kind of a cop out. Like they're finding a way to kind of do it on the cheap or whatever, but it doesn't feel like a cop out at all like because they're actually you know well done suspenseful the kills are sold but the um the effects of the invisibility effects like i love are, all that it's done really well of whether yeah it's a carpet moving or the door swinging or just mm-hmm. some object like reacting to it like that all is done well so it's hard to say you know you're, you're just getting another kind of cool effects and then it it works because you know like or I guess you think of it some way like uh, it's a cop out. That means they they are like trying not to show the monster or whatever. But then we get the huge ending where they do right. like show it more than you could ever want. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the the structure of how you see it each time or don't see it is uh, progressive. So like the first time you see nothing, you barely even see the kill. The second time you see the the monster under the hay. Right. Mm-hmm. And you get some hay moving and, and then they get killed and you actually kind of watch the, the farmers die. The third time 
is even more because you watch the the monster like make its way over the porch into the house. It cuts a hole in the screen door. It goes across the carpet. Like so each time we get more and more of the thing and realize, oh, there's a thing there. It's not just this like mysterious nebulous like we never know what's going on. Like we are being shown everything but the monster we're like watching it move through the house yeah and so each time it gets better and better so they once we get the reveal we go oh that makes sense that's what we were like what was there the whole time yeah (laughs) even even in the in the act of people dying they reach up and they grab around their neck as if there's like a tube around their neck and we realize oh it's the spinal cord tail thing that wraps around people's necks when it kills them, right? And so they were, like, pantomiming that out in their deaths before we ever saw it. So, like, that that's actually really good, accurate continuity, like, thinking about what's going on in the filmmaking. So I commend that for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Here, here. And so we have, like, you know, the, the chunk of the movie that's playing in... I don't want to say just suspense, but as far as not seeing the creatures outright. Um, So then we do finally get to the big showdown. And as we kind of already set up, it's so much fun because it does just come down to them shooting at them. And like it's every time the bullet hits the brain and the blood just kind of squidges out and like hitting it it with the axe, just getting that squish. That might be my favorite. Right? Then the sound effects Where there. Where did that axe come from? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Jeff grabs that axe and just pulverizes the thing. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> I know. It makes it look like it's a, a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and there's a bunch of them, too. You know. So many. It's great. It's great. The classic, like, they're coming through, breaks through the boards to get in. Uh, Loved it. Yeah, the stop motion stuff... It actually is really, really well done. Yeah. Like yeah. in things in frame with the actual actors, mm-hmm. like what I don't actually know how how they did this because you can tell that they've spliced footage together, but it's in frame. So like in the foreground would be the monsters moving and they would like, you know, they'd behave and in the in the background you would have the actual film of the actors doing their thing but like i believe i don't think those two things were happening at the same time i think those are shot separately and then spliced on top of each other on a first and watch yeah i didn't notice man, anything man it is good like yeah. it is so good uh, for that time holy shit like the their execution on it was incredibly good right i mean it feels like appropriately I, you know, you got to remember, like, King Kong came 20 years earlier or whatever. Maybe, I think more Definitely. than that. Definitely. five years earlier. You know, um, like, that. their skill at splicing those things together was really, really great. Like, Oh, they, no, I'm just, I'm just saying it feels like the appropriate, like, it. it's, yeah, I, I guess. It's where I, it should be. Where, yeah, where. Yeah, you say that, though, but, like, and then you watch another movie from the 50s or from the 60s, and you can, like, see the strings, you know, that the, the flying saucers are hanging from. No, no, I think I'm saying it's, it's so nice to see one where it feels like it is where it should be. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly, I didn't yeah. notice any mats or anything on a first watch. Yeah. No. It's it great. It's um, really good. Anything else in that big finale to mention? like oh so many bullets <laughs> right there's so many of so them many bullets yeah 
They're, I like how they're hanging on trees. That was. <laughs> I, you know what I really like? <laughs> the his name is Chester. Well, his last name is Chester. He's like kind of the sidekicky character. He's got like pictures of ladies on his office wall. Oh yeah, he's, he's kind of a dork. I mean, he is a dork. Um, so it's Chester and the old codger uh, military guy and Barbara and the professor yes. are kind of the last four. Is there one other person? Maybe there's I... a doctor. Yeah, there's a doctor as well. Um, they're the last four in there. And once the once the brain monsters get inside and it's just this fracas and they're flying at Barbara, they really want to get Barbara's brain. Yeah. Which I get it. Yeah, they so go for I, it. They get on her. Sapi- sapiosexual. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> and, um, attracted to somebody's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're going after Barbara. At one point, Chester, <laughs> the way that he shoots at one of them is like he's stabbing it with the gun. Like he he shoots. I wish I could show you guys this but he gets back and he goes kapow and he like flicks the gun while he's shooting it's <laughs> like something so, of like grand it, theft auto or something yes it's so <laughs> aggressive and so over the top and it, i i just imagine the actor was like this is my like m- the shot of the movie for me it's a full body low to high the monster's attacking i better sell that i'm shooting this thing shoot it and yeah. he shoots for real. Like, it's so good. Like, that whole sequence is awesome. The fucking, the fifth dude or sixth dude who's there, who, who the only one of that group that actually dies, his panic attack, like, I don't want to be here. I got to go. Ah! Yeah. His Wait, whole is he thing the one? Is, uh, I love it. The one who, it's like kind of and on a lot of the posters, the guy who gets it on his neck in that it. scene. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that yeah. That guy, his, his... <laughs> he's having a whole freak out. And I love that they made it a, a, you know, an older white dude. It just feels good to not have it be like a secondary female character who's being hysterical, hysterical in quotations. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I, it just, it's so satisfying to see this guy. <laughs> He's like, I gotta get out of here. And like, as if, you know, the we already said the look of horror on all the victims' faces are just so good. Like, he seems, he just comes in there at the end of the movie and takes the cake with his look oh, yeah. of horror. It's yeah, so there's good. a reason he's on, like, the posters. <laughs> yeah. He's a nothing character. I kept thinking, like, I don't even know who this guy is. They just <laughs> threw him in there. They're like, yeah. we need somebody who's not one of the lead characters to die. Hey, you. Grip. I know, like I'm looking at here. I'm looking at these uh the cast names or the, the character names. I'm like, who are they, like we have Captain Chester, Dr. Warren, Colonel Butler, like I don't know. Well, yeah. I don't know. I actually don't know. Stanley Maxted. Who which guy is the But you know who I do remember and who I loved, Tim, was the professor. R. E. Oh, Walgate. Professor Walgate. Why do you say that? He is so odd. (laughs) Well, I just love his like his diligence to just I mean, I think what I love about these professor characters, it's like they they take this very like corncob pipe working approach to the bizarre, but take it like they're always taking it like utterly seriously, though. You know, it feels like it's almost accepted more in this era and culture 
through its guise of him having a desk to work at versus now it's just all hella blue, you know, For but then it's like, no, you know, I was interested in how to do this a completely out there idea. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know, and then sets to work on it. But I loved like I I can't think of an exposition scene off the top of my head that I loved more than this exposition scene. Like, yeah, it the went... The flashback? Yeah, the flashback exposition <laughs> scene of, like, the professor just laying down everything. Where, you know, he starts with, well, I was interested in... Uh, I was interested in thought materialization. Um, and then, you know, just him setting up the whole idea. And then he... He actually introduces the word fiend into the movie. That just, it just <laughs> tickled know. me so much. Like, he's in a quote of his, he said, I knew now I had created a fiend. There was no other explanation. <laughs> and then we get the callback to the phrase mental vampire, where it's like, yes. he, he says, so what they are, mental vampires. And then Jeff, like from earlier, he's the one who said it when they were meeting. He's kind of like, ah, see, told you guys. Yeah. <laughs> that phrase mental vampire anyway <laughs> just it, just like seeing his like everything that he was up to from turning the pages with his mind to then the specificity of like the of course so then i would try to think of a brain and a spinal cord with weird little like tentacle eyes sticking out as a <laughs> as like the that's of course what i would think of as cool. the thing to materialize yeah he's on cocaine <laughs> he working all hours of the night yeah, yeah. that guy you just look at his mouth half the time he is chewing his face off he's, pr- he's probably on what do they say at the first scene of the movie you gotta lay off the benzedrine yeah, oh my god called. that's right I forgot about that yeah he is he's juiced up man he is just <laughs> fucking winging the whole time yeah, they didn't say that. The, the, he was saying that to Jeff was on Ben's dream, but just a reminder that uh, everyone That's was on thing. that. Yeah, everyone uh, Back the in Beatles, the day, Benzos. The, yeah, the Beatles when playing, I think that was their drug of choice when playing those Hamburg shows. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Anyway, that just Baseball seemed... players used to take Benzos back right? in the day. It's crazy. Everybody was just like, yeah, give me some speed. Well, yeah, when you're trying to um, <laughs> uh, manifest thoughts in the physical form I, lo- <laughs> I love i love the moment that he turns the page it is so stupid <laughs> it's because i just all i could think about is like two things one it, willing suspension of disbelief that like the page turned i was like maybe the air conditioning just turned on but the other is imagining filming that scene and there's some dickhead off camera going <laughs> and, blow, and blowing the page over I mean takes they probably had to do before they got the page to actually go they're like D- Dan can you just you're ah, we saw you in camera can you back up but blow harder <laughs> I want to know what they did now yeah um, oh it was good it was great no and I was so happy how long it went on for anyways um yeah, he's hilarious. I mean, that actor's really going for it. Yeah, yeah, the professor, he's great. Right on the line. Because <laughs> he, he, almost, he almost kills the movie by being too like, I'm a crazy doctor professor. Meant nah. He's like, not that he's, at all, though. He's pretty close. He's, There's a couple scenes when he's sitting there and I was like, this guy looks like he's about to fucking he, have an aneurysm. He always seemed like he was very, like, calm and collected, you know, stuff in his pipe. 
Yes and no. That's what I'm saying is that the common collective, like just watching his facial expressions was, I was like, he looks like he's about to have a fucking seizure. <laughs> well, yeah. That would explain his, uh, his big finale. Um, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> anyway, it's just, it's just hit up on some other points, move, move along. Um, uh, just, I think I just have some other just like touches or scenes I really liked the, um, Another just super creepy moment was the guy like you kind of wondering during it. Well, what happens if someone survives this? What happens if the brain monster, if if the fiends only kind of partially suck you or whatever? Oh. And then we get this military guy with someone we know wanders in just zombified. We hear. No, no sorry. So you're right. We the hear mi- the sound first. That's not a military guy. That oh. is that is the the dickhead who who breaks up Barbara and oh, Jeff. Yeah. He's the townie guy who's all like gung-ho about like hating the military and right. he's the one who gets the search party together and he gets he disappears out there. That's him. Got so it, he got really it, got it. gets his comeuppance of being kind of a jerk the whole time. Well, it almost wants to make you laugh. Like, just the sound is just so it's, odd. Like, when he when we first hear him off screen, like, going, it's the kind... That reminded me of something that we've watched. Um, I know, and I don't know what. Not, I don't know. It's so funny. Yeah, no, but then once we finally see him, he's... Uh, oh yeah just his makeup and his look of just it's just oh it's just that thought of like being lobotomized is horrifying definitely no i love that's one of my favorite moments of the whole movie right it's just his that that shot of him walking through and like hearing him first is so smart and Mm -hmm. having it be a sound that we haven't heard in the movie at all yeah, we're and like, then this the, isn't the, the door the sort fiends. of flies open, and we're low, we're low underneath him, so we're looking up at him, and it's it's pretty like wide, uh, wide lens, so he's a little distorted. It's really good. It reminded me a little bit of the sort of canted, weird angles in Black Cat of the like the sa- Satan worshippers. Like it had mm-hmm. that sort of like he like moves kind of into camera. And mm-hmm. he's just like standing there going. <laughs> With his mouth like <laughs> stuffed with cotton, so good, right? And um, I I loved his uh his scene that you described too, and, uh, when he interrupts Jeff and Barbara at the beginning, and him <laughs> him and Jeff they just like oh. have a just they just gotta let out a few punches. They you know? just have a punch up. There's an attractive they just punch woman each other present. In the face like four times. So we better just punch each other, you know, just for good measure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both like they they almost seem like they're friends, you know. Afterwards, about it, <laughs> he just had to get it out of their system. Um, that that just so cracked ridiculous. me up because I think it just I think you know it's sad we can't watch these movies um, together uh, in quarantine anymore. But uh, I feel like I could hear you laughing, like when it felt like there was just that third or fourth punch you weren't expecting, and yeah. I could see you go, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, here we go. All right. I mean, actually, uh, uh, to that guy, uh, another scene with him when he rallies everybody up. There is, <laughs> he's like, he's like having a little. He's you know, he's gathering up a little posse, right? 
And yeah. he's he's like shouting at the crowd and a couple people are chiming in and then somebody chi- like one guy chimes in and nobody thinks anything of it. And then the guy tries to say something again. The I forget what his name is. Uh, it's like I think it's Peterson or no. Pr- yeah, Peterson. I think that's right. Anyway, so he and he's got a very thick accent. I don't quite know if they were trying to do like a Manitoba accent or if that was just whatever. But. <laughs> In the middle of him, like, riling up this posse, some guy yells from off camera. And he's like, yeah, but this, this. And then somebody else is like, hey, man, just let him talk. And it's like, everybody just shut up for (laughs) a second. There's this really funny, weird, like, just rapport in the crowd that's existing. And the next shot when he's like, okay, let's go do it. They cut to just a single car. On the road. There's no nothing else there. A parked car on the road. And the whole posse starts walking towards the car. And I was like, if they all get in, if they clown car this and they, this like whole posse gets in the car, I'm going to die of laughter. But instead, they, he just opens it up and he clown, he like opposite clown cars, c- clown cars, clown cars. He opposite to a clown car starts pulling rifles out of the car. And it's like oh, yeah. one after the other. He pulls out like 16 rifles. It's just how many rifles does this dude carry in the back of the seat of his car? I remember that scene just like so many guns. Just like, <laughs> what are you people doing with all these guns? It's Canada, man. Yep. Yep. You got to hunt. Yeah. Manitoba moose. Um <laughs> We even if if all these these sci-fi fifties you know scenes were getting it all, we even had a spooky crypt scene. I know, that was the. <laughs> I was gonna save this for what did not work. Even, <laughs> it's just go ahead. <laughs> I just liked it. I mean, I it was it was kind of weird, just as far as the whole like the recovery <laughs> that kinda. Uh, no, as far as the professor and him afterwards, like, he's kind of sorting it out. You almost killed me. Sorry about that. He's like, um, sorry, I didn't mean to close the door on you and seal you in this airtight crypt. But uh, then I <laughs> walked away anyway. No, I just liked that it was a, <laughs> it just felt fun as just one other setting just to throw in. I just liked seeing Major Cummings go down there, descend the stairs, light the candles after oh, the yeah. match. Oh, yeah. Find yeah. a pipe. I don't know, and it gives, you know, and the, yeah, that gives the professor, you know, so he's not just holed up in his place, whatever. I, I mean, I have nothing more to say about it. I'm not, it wasn't the standout scene or anything. I just liked that we got a spooky crypt scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get you. Okay. What else? Um, I feel like that's all I, I really had down. I mean, I'm sure all of the other moments I liked, <laughs> just really loved it overall. Oh, you know what? I have one more. In the <laughs> in the beginning, when we meet Jeff and Chester for the first time, you know, it's just a really rote kind of like Jeff is sitting there and Chester is kind of like he he's like feeding him a point of view where he's like, why do you really think it's very, very like kind of stock of like, what do you think, boss? You know, like, oh, I, well, you think we're actually going to do something? These townies, they don't know anything about anything. And they they walk outside of the office when that conversation is done. And we in the foreground have this kind of kind of husky dude sitting at a desk and he's like eating a sandwich and he sees that they're coming in. He quickly like puts the sandwich under his desk. 
Huh? And they pass him, and Chester sees him and gives him a little, like, wink, wink, wink. And then they walk out of the of the office, and the guy picks his sandwich back up out from under the desk and starts eating it again. What is going on? <laughs> Secret sandwich. <laughs> like, what is going on? What was the point of any of that? I love it. Don't get me wrong. I fucking love it. Like, it is one of the greatest little, like, weird moments. It does not add anything other than humor. But, like, why is it there? It's we, it's like we meet so, that guy later for, like, 10 seconds. Right. It's I like how it adds up to this whole idea that they're that the movies, you know, a theme the movies dealing with as far as the military being actual consisting of actual people. Um, but what a kind of <laughs> sure. idiosyncratic way to show that with someone who has a, apparently needs to be secret sandwich uh, habit. <laughs> secret sandwich. Like it's so bizarre. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You know, I guess one thing we should kind of mention, even though I, we sort of mentioned it at the top, the broad thematic stuff of this story and why you tell this story is so cool. And like, I just think of an era where that fear of like the atom bomb and fear of the Russians and fear of the other and fear of things like you know, like the Red Scare, like being like, oh, we're, uh, communism is going to come here and it's going to infect our minds. You know, like all of the undercurrent of those things is in this movie. It's not super over the top. They don't push on it too much. It's just kind of there. But I love all of that stuff because it's really the foundation of the monster stories of the 50s, where it's like it's all based in this fear of the invisible enemy. It. It, it, yeah, it was kind of surprising me how relevant it felt like still Ugh, now the fears as far as, but I think the, the, my, at least my access point or the, the fear that I tapped into was that's a still relevant one of kind of that fear of, um, un, not untamed or unbridled, but like, um, yeah, uh, just, just a scientific progress without any kind of like limitation or just the sure. idea of how far that can go and kind of being afraid of how that can affect, you know, the life that we know and are so comfortable with rather than being excited about it. Yeah. Um, but even, yeah, and like the construct of the townsfolk, they say, it, you know, they're simple people kind of thing a bunch of times. It's like they're, that's fine, and and maybe their reaction is a little less measured than it could be but they're not they're not wrong right like the military is kind of unwittingly pushing it into a realm that it that has consequences and they're ignoring that and the professor is pushing it into a realm that he doesn't know he doesn't know what the fuck he's dealing with and he's ignoring the responsibility of that and the townspeople are kind of like in a way, they're right. Like, they're like, yo, chill the fuck out, everybody. Like, let's not, like, let's not kick the hornet's nest. Yeah. And I, I just like that dynamic. There, There's, you know, there's layers to the perspectives on these things. And Jeff, you know, Jeff and Barbara, they, they ultimately kind of, they wax and wane within that. And they and they play off of each other in that thematic way, too, of like at one point she's kind of like, you're just a douche. And then she's like, well, actually, he's kind of OK. Like he's not towing the party line so hard, 
you know, he's whatever. Like they, they have a good kind of back and forth that is a little bit of a foil or I guess the townspeople in the military are kind of a foil for the relationship between the two of them. And like so all of that stuff, it's just – it's well constructed. It's definitely well thought out. You know what I mean? Like it's not just us being kind of dramaturgical about it. Like they they clearly considered all these things and wove it into the story. Whereas I think a lot of the time, even now, y- you have people making this movie and all they are making is, oh, yeah, there's an invisible monster and it's going to get you. Right. Mm-hmm. They don't add in these layers of like social commentary, political commentary, you know, like the fears of like the, the metaphorical fears that exist within humanity. Like that's all in this movie. And I think that's why it's so commendable and so kind of it holds up. And like you were saying, it it actually feels kind of relevant right now. Yeah, that's that's a pretty like impressive thing or just at least didn't feel like I, I was still just able to get into the story, not thinking right. I was so separated from it by 70 years or whatever. No. And I think that's because they took it seriously, yeah. even though they have, you know, claymation brain monsters jumping and, and like sucking your brain out of you, the back of your head. 62 years. Sorry. Just right? correcting myself. Yeah. <laughs> even that, yeah. even that as a metaphor, the monster that sucks your brain out of your head. It's very similar to the zombie sort of thing and why this the there's a political metaphor behind, you know, the uh, Romero stuff. You know, it's social commentary. Like it's saying like, hey, be careful, because if mm-hmm. you fuck with the stuff a little too much, you know, you're going to get your brain sucked out, which is you're really right. just another way of saying like you're going to get brainwashed. Even I'm going to get indoctrinated into a way of looking at the world that's fucking bad. Even just that idea, too. I think it's so... God, this is where, you know, you just apply it to anything. The idea of the invisible force, the thought form, you know, the monsters start off as like thoughts. They started off as invisible is what Absolutely. he said. And then, but then all of a sudden, you know, we get the repercussions of, of war, global warming become more and more there <laughs> yeah. and actualized. At it, yeah, exactly. At its root, I think the movie is, is sort of, it's, I mean, it is, it's saying that all the the worst things in the world, the worst outcomes start with an idea. And if you feed that idea improperly, it will turn into a reality and that reality can reap havoc. Right. It's like, oh, well, whatever. You can't see radiation. <laughs> Let's just right. keep putting it Did out there. I say there. reap havoc. I meant wreak havoc. Yeah. <laughs> but both. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think that... From a writing standpoint, that's just fucking cool mm-hmm. that that commentary is in this in a way that, that, that they are like, hey, let's make a movie about that idea. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know, man. I think it's fucking sweet. I agree. I'm a buy. Oh, whoa. Ring, 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 ring. Where's the bell? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know. Where is the bell? He switched it. Awesome. It's right here. We have a double buy. <laughs> double buy. Double buy. Oh, man. I just like completely blew out the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> well, should we see if we did have anything that did not work for our double buy? Sure. 
All right, here we go. Next section, what did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> the only thing that I had, I feel like it might actually grow on me. It's the kind of thing where it like it doesn't give you your expectations, but then maybe it's actually finer for the better, which is the professor's death. I kind of alluded to it earlier. Where oh, dude, I know. <laughs> you always want, I mean, like I want so bad, you know, you... I liked the guy. It was fun. I was with his character. I didn't even really get what his motivation was, but he just runs outside and gets killed. Like, it's and, nothing. And then, and then somebody goes, what a brave man. Right. What? what, is, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you want him, you want to see him be the one, like, Godzilla, be the one to, like, have to to to, to sacrifice themselves actually. Like, that's just what you want. And it, right. But I, I guess maybe he did that according to the movie, but it sure, sure didn't feel like he. Uh, no, it really didn't. <laughs> did much. I was, yeah, I was equally disappointed in that. I just felt like, wait, no, what? Okay. So now I'm hoping if I see it again, I'll just, um, I will, uh, tune into more just the horrificness of that kind of how he dies. But I don't know. I was, I was sad he didn't get a better send off. Yeah, I kind of like. I have, yeah, my three things are kind of like that. Each one just seems a little, like, lame. Let's hear them. So the first one is the crypt. (laughs) I'm just like, it just feels like a filler, right? Like, it's just, it doesn't, I guess it adds only that, like, you see, you see Jeff in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so maybe we sympathize with him a little bit more because he's going through something. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I like that. But, you know, I'm okay with that. But the crypt itself, like, I just, it's so out of place. No, it is. I, I, I it hear It's like, I mean, we, like you said, we literally go from, <laughs> you know, small town Canada to Dracula's lair. There is a <laughs> coffin with a cross on it that's like half open. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think it was interesting for me. It's I just like a set that they they were like, hey, let's go shoot something over in that crypt set. That'd be cool. Rather than having that like, where is this coming from? Disconnect when it should. You know, we have labs in small town, and why are we in this crypt all of a sudden? I think like. The fact that it was in the 1950s just made it feel like, oh, this is just all old stuff that isn't there anymore. <laughs> so, like, whatever that disconnect is that I have from everything else in the movie, like, the the crypt as location was just... Even though it's not at all accurate and I, I no. see it as out of place, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, like, like those crypts that they had back then. <laughs> right. It just... It really felt out of place, and I feel like there was a better a version of that scene that they could have made off the top of my head. Let's say like, um, you know, since the professor has this secret laboratory, like if Jeff followed the professor through like a, you know, a, a hidden back, like secret entrance into that and then got sealed in it somehow or into an area of it that was dangerous 
that'd be a good lead into the professor's story, yeah. right? Like it would help. It would make we just feel like we're still in the the right world, right? I know. I think they were probably just didn't think much about it after. It was like, okay, the professor's got to find the dead body. Where would the dead body be? Oh yeah. well, why don't we do this? <laughs> I mean, shit, go find put it dead body. put it in a morgue. Morgues are way scary. I and think have, that's what they thought. Well, a morgue isn't scary. Let's have it be a crime. Well, maybe, you know, yeah. I think that uh, was. But I'd love to that. see Jeff get like trapped in like one of the morgue, you know, freezers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah. that's way more scary to me because I feel claustrophobic in that sense. But whatever. I agree. That would feel way truer to yeah. the rest of the film. Um. So my second one is what you just said. The professor's death. Just lame. Mm-hmm. It could have been so much cooler, like have him have him go out, you know, guns a blazing or swinging or like something, something. Yeah, oh, I know. Such, it's super lame. It's such a you you really want to milk that the creator being killed by his own creations thing. And it yeah. just didn't now milk granted, it. he does get like four of them on him. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> so that part I was down with. Yeah. Um, And then the last one for me, honestly, it's just. <sighs> the the solution being dynamite the base i just i have a really hard time getting behind it for one one per reason in particular <laughs> when jeff shows up he could just flip a switch and turn it off right <laughs> right nobody's there i think though their motivation going into it is no one can have this technology anymore and it's coming from these satellite things or the 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 what do you call them the the not antenna the radio the radar things yeah yeah the radar things but here's the thing like i think it would just take one extra little cue of writing to to make it even cooler to make it more dire and I, and it's it's essentially like in alien when ripley goes back to shut off the auto destruct and you have that really intense moment of her trying to like physically push it back together in time so that she can shut it off and it doesn't work then we know like oh shit this is going to get out of now she has to go right there it, it ups the ante i just feel like it'd be great if if jeff had gotten there with the intention of turning it off and when he gets there, you know, like the brain monsters have like eaten through the switch, the off switch or whatever, like something <laughs> like that, where he's like, fuck, now I'm really fucked. Good thing I right, brought these sticks of dynamite. Because even if he wants to blow it up so no one can do it again, it would be quicker just to take care of these initial ones and just turn it off, turn it off with the switch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can blow it up later. Just hit it's, the off switch. And you're right. It's it it does it would take a little more, um, like you said. But they probably just were like, you know, it's not exciting just to have. It's anticlimactic if he just runs in and hits a switch. But you're right. It's, that's they didn't think how to do that. More interestingly, yeah, right. That's it for me, though. Really, I mean, I, I mean, the sexism notwithstanding, <laughs> right? That's there. Whew. That that parade of men, that ending, and I like know, patting I, him on the shoulder, uh, I was each just like, one of them is so gross. 
I would just be so I mad if if looks I looks like you've got some business to take care of. If I was Jeff, I would just be so mad. Just like, dude, just lay off I mean, like, me. Get the fuck out of You're here just so like... I can make out with the girl I like. Right. I don't care what like, you Like stop making no. commentary about it. I don't it. want to be thinking about you, major whatever. Come on, get out of here. <laughs> God. Sergeant it was Casper. Gross. It was super gross. Oh, you know what? There's one other sexist moment that I hated for two reasons. The main reason is that it's just kind of gross. It's of a time, and I get it that, like, at the time, it probably seemed super innocuous. But, like, (laughs) the first time Jeff kisses Barbara... He like steals a kiss, right? Yeah. He just sort of plants one on her and he's like, if we weren't going through this, I'd stick around for more of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he runs off. But like even the kiss itself doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. It, it it feels uh unwarranted and unlike the the like she didn't give any sort of permission to it. I Even know how she reacts to the kiss. Like she doesn't kiss him back. She kind of just gets hit with it. And then she's like, Ugh. it just, all of that felt that I'm, me. I'm maybe I'm just a horrible person, but because she made that face afterwards, that was like, Ooh, like, yeah, I liked that. I was just like, <laughs> just my horrible self was sold. Well, you were just imagining <laughs> kissing Barbara. It's just, yeah, it's just the fantasy aspect She's of it. She's great. Yeah. She's, she, you want to kiss her. You want to, like, you want to date her. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. It I just mean, felt. It's, 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 it's hard for me to, like, parse out moments of sexism that i mean except for that last one that was just like it just felt like it sealed the deal through but which is when you're watching a movie from this era and as i am like i am the the horrible person as is what i phrase as but it feels like i'm not you know a woman and i'm not especially i mean yeah so it's like i what i can tune into it you know in a way where i can just accept it at face value i don't want to say it's, no, it's, it feels I, weird I, to say like I should or I shouldn't, but no, I, I, think I there's, can't look, help. I do or I don't. Like I'm sorry, I'm I like saying, the movie. I'm not saying we need to come down on all of the. It it happened. It was what it was. Right. Like we we, we don't need to come down on it from that angle. All we have to do is have the responsibility as people living in today's world to acknowledge the, you know, the sort of like. That's not how we should be behaving today. And if we're going to make art, we should be able to identify those things and not fall into this tropiness that is misplaced and misguided, especially in today. And in fact, if we, we have a responsibility to understand the history of that stuff so that we can either or and or commentar- comment on it or you know, like kind of exploit it a little bit and be like, hey, dickheads, don't do this stuff. Like, this is why it feels gross. Here's yeah. and give, you know, have characters that have that commentary that make us go, go, oh, oh, right, 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 right. That is not the lessons that were sort of uh, the undercurrent that is sort of paving the way for how young men view the world and view women. Right. Like that's our responsibility. So I'm not like, oh, fuck the movie and fuck the filmmakers. It's like it's it's over. It was a different era. 
But like we can recognize it today and sort of be like, all right, cool. Yeah, that's not that's not what we're going to do. Well, I think just what maybe why I was able to key into or what saved it for me, like what we already talked about was this like she was great up front, like what she brought to the role. Like yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the total she was, wasn't just totally helpless and lame and stupid <laughs> you yeah. know I, I really really wish she had picked up a gun or an axe at some point though yeah that would have that I, I mean I, I there's nothing more satisfying than like seeing the person that the old trope has told us is sort of helpless or hapless or whatever and having them assert themselves like it's always that's always satisfying Mm -hmm. and that's just uh, even if it didn't come to a weapon um she was just felt like she was fully asserting herself the whole film and that's i don't know true true. i I I just mean in that final moment yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. no it just just got me to think of like oh well how was she doing that in other ways right um cool that's it though for me i mean i just generally it's great All right, let's move on next section for Fiend Without Face. Things of note. Things of note! (laughs) This should be interesting. It was interesting learning about how this film was put together as an independent British film. You know, it's production. And that made me wonder, like, if we're kind of talking about how this is like distilling elements and all these tropes of these kind of American 50s sci-fi films. You wonder if sometimes does it take an outside perspective to almost kind of best distill those elements where like you have the American filmmakers who are doing it because they're just, you know, following the steps and not thinking about it versus somehow having it be British, they're kind of like getting to make one of these films or I, I don't know. It's just... Yeah. Well, it's late 50s, so they've obviously learned some lessons from what came before it, so that's always important. Um, I, I think, yeah, probably. I think yeah. they're saying, hey, let's let's kind of, with a stiff upper lip, let's br- you know bring some British ingenuity, <laughs> yeah, and one up those Yankees. <laughs> Absolutely, they did. Um, I thought it was interesting that it, you you know we always associate how the, it's independent film that pushes forward um, different artistic things like uh in, in you know case in, in, in gore specifically in horror films. Yeah. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but this one, since it's just you know nineteen fifties sci-fi, film, I did not really think of anything as being gory or being like you know visceral effects. Um, but apparently, yeah, it really did. Um, it it caused quite a stir with its with its the presence of its gore and pushed some boundaries there cool. as far as brains. Uh, you know, leaking blood and all that good stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says five months later, this is on Wikipedia. Feeding without a face created a public uproar after its British premiere. Um, 
The British Film Board of Censors had demanded a number of cuts before its release and finally granted the film an X certificate, but newspaper critics were still aghast at its horrifying <sighs> special effects. Ooh. Questions were actually raised in Parliament as to why British censors had allowed Fiend Without a Face to be released. Oh. Notably, what is the British film industry thinking by trying to beat Hollywood at its own game of overdosing on blood and gore? Oh, clutch them pearls. <laughs> right? The crumpets, I guess. But just so... I just think it's so neat that it was gory, even though I didn't even realize it while watching it, you know? I, I thought about it while it was happening. I was like, this is probably fucking super intense for the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, when you think about it. <laughs> uh, I have a correction. So Manitoba is the province of Canada. Okay, so it's not the city it's in, yeah. The, the town is Winthrop. Okay, in that's... In Manitoba, Canada. That sounds... So it just goes to show how... How much I know about Canadian geography. How much Americans know about <laughs> Canadian yeah. geography. You're okay. Um, <laughs> did you read? Did you did you read about how they um, promoted the film in Times Square, New York? <laughs> no. So they had a. They were showcasing their pictures of it. It's cool. They're showcasing on the sidewalk outside the theater a quote living and breathing fiend, where it's like in this little cage, and like every couple minutes, it would make the sound and move its spinal tail, and apparently it got. <laughs> It got like it created such kind of a so much attention and everyone was flocking to see it that after two days, the police made them shut it down because of oh man, disrupting traffic or whatever. <laughs> Can you just imagine being like a 1950s person and just how cool uh, it would be to like, oh, yeah, what is this like thing to go see? Like you can't you can't just go up and like look at all this crazy artwork and design stuff like to like you can nowadays just to go seek out this weird creature like it's just so That's neat awesome right <laughs> i would have been there um yeah that was fun it uh it it was being shown in the u.s as a as a double billing since it's shorter with um the haunted strangler which is a boris karloff film so it was playing after that oh yeah a little, little context yeah i was watching like a, a little special feature on the criterion channel where uh the executive producers like looking at some old publicity materials and talking about the film a bit. And he says that the so stupid that we talked about her coming out in the, the towel or the blanket or whatever that like MGM's publicity department just totally like was like, okay, that's our, that's our image for the movie. So like in oh all God. the poster, it's so, it's like such a silly short moment, but they like, Totally just, uh, you know, exploited it for their, yeah, they did. for their advertising. Um, so it was that and the little drawn picture of the brain, which are kind of its key promotional elements, which, hey, I mean, that'd yeah. get me in to see it. Yep. You know, it made me, I just, I, it just occurred to me, I had this thought while we were watching the movie, Barbara's wardrobe is amazing in this movie. Yeah, like I whoever, like her style. Whoever costumed her, fucking great. She got some really cool, like modern shit. Like it would be people would wear that shit now, and be it'd be like sweet. Yeah, you kind of see it's the kind of um, cool beatnik, you yeah. know, le leading into the '60s kind of totally. kind of thing going on. Yeah. 
I mean, well, you had to do something because everybody else is in a fucking, you know, military uniform. <laughs> right. Someone has some, some life and fun. Some, God. Some Lesson learned. If you're going to do a thing of a, like a military movie, like let the characters put their like personal spin on their uniforms a little bit. Don't just have everybody in the exact same fucking thing. Yeah. I had that thought early on in this movie where I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> it's like when we wa- there was a movie we watched I don't even remember what it was where like we couldn't distinguish any of the characters oh yeah remember that <laughs> I have no idea what it was but we were just like I don't know who's who it's like a bunch of dudes they look exactly the same right they're all right. wearing the same shit anyway I, can, I, can, I don't remember um, <laughs> too many now yeah I'm still trying to remember the one where Oh, Swamp Thing. What about it? Swamp, that was when you were doing the voice earlier of the guy who gets <laughs> lobotomized. That was... Um, yeah, that was the same as your your Swamp Thing voice. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not a voiceover actor. <laughs> it to, to me sounds like Ludo from Labyrinth. Sarah Ludo yeah, friend. Oh, yeah. Great. Any other things of note? Oh, no. Well, then that's it for Fiend Without a Face from 58. Ended up being a double buy. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, it was Planet of the Vampires where we couldn't distinguish anybody. (laughs) Totally. Right. (laughs) I don't know. They all have strong chins. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Cool, dude. Recommendations? Uh, Yes. You go. I got to think of this. What was it? I've been meaning to watch this forever, Tim. The uh, Talking Heads concert film, Stop Making Sense. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No. Ugh, I mean, like, everyone's like, oh, you got to see it. You got to see it. I'm not even, like, huge on the Talking Heads or David Byrne or whatever. I think it's cool. I'll, you know, I go in, uh, not phases, but, you know, listen when I get the urge or whatever. But this this was, it was so well done. This documentary is one of the, the Jonathan Demi. um, I believe, yeah, yeah, he must have made it. Jonathan Demi, concert films. He's done a lot of work with mm-hmm. Neil, Neil Young on his concert films. But just like from the opening shot, it just, they're just, there's, there's something so cool, you know, when it's done well as sort of making a film out of a concert experience. And it, it just, I was just such a showstopper. Like, is this, David Byrne's performance is, I as was very uh, exceeded my expectations. I thought so. Hmm, you've cool. probably I've heard, heard it. of it. <laughs> yeah, you've you've. If you were like me, you've probably uh, been pressured to watch it before. Now that I've seen it, I'm just adding on that pressure. If you haven't seen it, stop making sense. Cool. Um, so mine is. Uh, th- it took me a really long time to actually come back around to this. Because I watched the first, I think I watched the first four episodes like three separate times and could just couldn't get into it. And I asked my friend Shane because he really loved the show. And I was like, am I just missing something or does it get better? And he was like, oh, episode five is where it actually really takes off. And I was like, fuck, okay. So I was like, should I just rewatch one through four again to reacquaint myself? He's like, no, why? Don't bother. Just start at five. And I'm not recommending that you do that, but like just as a sort of context, uh, f- 
from episode five on, I've been like, I can't stop watching the show. I mean, it's only three seasons, so whatever. But uh, it's The Leftovers. And in particular, really more than anything, the story is cool and fun and, and whatever. But the acting in it is fucking incredible. So the lead dude is Justin Throw. He's great. Um, and he's kind of got that... If you watched Mad Men, there's sort of a similar character kind of problem where it's like he's kind of you you just you know he's tortured and you just want him to be okay <laughs> and you know he's gonna fuck it up. And that dynamic is so compelling to me for some reason. Um but so Justin Throw Carrie Coons is the the I would say probably the the female lead. She is I don't know, man. If people don't know who she is, she was the she was in the second season of um I'll think of it in a second. But anyway, she is fucking incredible. Oh, it's called The Sinner. Um she, she's ridiculous. Like like some of the acting in it similar to like I think right now her and Laura Linney and the third person who I was going to mention who's in The Leftovers, Regina King, who is the lead in, in the Watchmen TV series, they're, they're out of this world. Like, their acting is fucking far beyond anything else that's going on that I've seen at least. So, like, if you want a show that has... And there's other actors in it that are amazing. Scott Glenn is in it. He's amazing. Um, Christopher Eccleston is in it. Um, there's a bunch of people anyway. So it, it's, it's amazing. The, sh- the, the acting alone, it carries that show along. Even though the show is a little, it's pretty depressing. <laughs> it's about the rapture. So, you know, like 20% of the world population just disappears one day. Cool. The or leftovers. Maybe it's not 20%. It's like 2%. I don't know. Anyway. The leftovers. Yeah. Get into it. It's on HBO. Well, can we figure out what we're going to get into next week? Oh, yeah, if I could find the hat. How do you lose it every week? Well, I do stuff in here and I move things around. Ah, here we go. All right, the hat. Is it my turn? I feel like it is, but I don't know. I feel like it is too, so we're going to do this one right here. Oh, sweet. I was wondering about this. Lodgers. It's on Netflix. From what year? Recent, huh? 2018, yeah. All right. Great. A newer film after an older film. Yeah. We'll see how they hold up against each other. (laughs) Great. Well, you should join us for The Lodgers next week. No, it's just Lodgers. Sorry. Well, you should join us for Lodgers. (laughs) I'm already, I'm already, it's already bugging me. Why do I want to say, I don't even know what they are. Who are the Lodgers? No, wait, it's... It, no, it says right here, The Lodgers. Oh, really? Well, it Did you write... Just down, Lodgers. Well, that's wrong. Okay. You or Listen. me, whoever wrote that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Probably me. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah, it's true. I've, you're, you're the one to go, eh, don't need it. Yeah, don't. whatever. I don't <laughs> so, all right. We'll be back Francis next week. Francis you know. 
<laughs> and <laughs> right, right. All right, all right. So for the lodgers next week, until then, uh, we ask uh, if you enjoyed this, you should tell a friend, a like-minded horror fiend. That's the word I always I use. Know. <laughs> That's why we had to watch this movie. Great. Well, until the lodgers, as I said, and in closing, we mean it. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>